Y'all, y'all, y'all ready for this? This is the Jennifer Tebow Radio Channel, brought to you by the Tebow Company. Bringing sports gumbo to the interactive podcast radio world, we are a collective of sports shows, hosts, and topics that feed your sports appetite. It's time to turn your sound up and bring your sports opinions to the table. Now let's get in and win this. Well, hello, hello, and hello again. You know, I always start with the enthusiastic hello, hello, hello. And uh, I'm not trying to sound like a a Debbie Downer, but uh, we're in 2020. (laughs) And 2020 has given us so much. I don't know if you got a chance to peep the show title, uh, but our show this time is talking about... A pandemic, and that would be the virus, the coronavirus, COVID-19, um, something that's really endemic, which is racism. Um, and I wanted to kind of give my voice, my one voice, no host, no guest, unless someone wants to dial in. Um, if you do, that would be great. The, the dial-in number is uh, 917-889-8496. Um, I'm Jennifer, Dr. J. Tebow, by the way. <laughs> Jumped right in. You see, I'm out of practice. Oh, my goodness. But uh, I'm talking about one voice being philodemic. And what that means is philodemic is uh, about love for everybody. So uh, that's a conversation I've been having a lot, but it's actually brought me back to the microphone. I've been on hiatus uh, for quite some time, put the, all the shows on hiatus that we could really heal. Um, It just kind of felt like the 12th round of a heavyweight boxing match where neither boxer wants to leave it to the decision of the judge, so it's an all-out slugfest. And I feel like we're getting hit constantly with, you know, with some time-bound moment. Uh, The good thing about life in any moment, no matter how bad it is, uh, it will always have an end point. There's a beginning and an end to anything, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. So here we are. We're in the middle. I, I don't know what to call it. I don't think I necessarily would call it good. Uh, there are some bad parts for sure, but um, hopefully we can get to the part of this program in 2020 called healing. So that's kind of why I wanted to jump on just for a few minutes and just check in with the audience and see how everyone's feeling. Um, I'm going to start at the top. I actually became really silent, almost a mute when uh, Kobe Bean Bryant, his daughter and the other passengers of that helicopter crash, I believe January 25th of this year of 2020, I became really silent um, for a few reasons. I might have met Kobe a few times, had a chance um, to kind of see him in action on the court and just kind of be a person, not just be a basketball player. I had a chance to just see him be a person. And so, you know, there are times when you feel like you kind of have grown with a person, even if you haven't met Kobe or many people like um, Shaquille O'Neal or some of the more um, visible um, figures, whether they're athletes or celebrities, if you see them in multiple ways and growing, 
making mistakes, but standing up, dusting themselves off and showing off why they're a champion or a leader. When you see those things happening, you feel like you're growing with them. When you see them become better, you understand for yourself, hey, they're human like I'm human, that they can, if they can bounce back from some of the uh, worst things that you can imagine, then surely anybody can. And so even through their stories vicariously, it it sends hope to you for whatever you may be dealing with. And I think Kobe in particular, I believe that is the the tragedy in it in all of it is that so many people followed his journey. And he had a lot of haters, that's for sure, and that's understandable. Um, some maybe he earned honestly, some he didn't. Um, but people still followed his story and they wanted to see what was next, what was next, what was next. He did that on the basketball court, but man, he was, in my opinion, and so many others about to really take off in the basketball afterlife um, with in women's basketball and film uh, and so many other projects. It's going to be interesting to see what Gianna uh, Bryant, his 13-year-old daughter, Gigi, what she would be doing with her life. I mean, man, you could just literally see uh, the male version or the female version of Kobe and go, wow, like this is, this is really about to be something special. So at any rate, that's, you know, that was Kobe Bryant. So, you know, when it happened on the day it happened, I have to share it because it's so similar to when Muhammad Ali died. Um, both when Muhammad Ali and Kobe Bryant passed away. My daughter was the one to actually tell me. And she came in the room and she knew that, you know, it would hurt me. When she told me about Ali, you know, she didn't feel as strong a connection to Ali as I did because she didn't kind of grow up with Muhammad Ali being who he was as a boxer. Um, But when she walked in the door for Kobe and she walked in the room and said, somebody major just died. And I just thought, like, my heart dropped. But the killer is, I did not even think, like, in a million years, it would have been Kobe. I thought a, you know, prominent name. But, you know, it's kind of like you just believe those people will live forever. They'll live to be old and gray, whatever old and gray is. I'm starting to feel like I'm getting there. Uh, whatever that is. And so she said it, and it took her breath away. I mean, she literally wears 24 for in her own basketball team because of Kobe. Like Kobe was her inspiration. So I just immediately got into this period of mourning where I did not want to talk. I just was speechless and I was consuming so much content and trying to understand and make sense of it. Um, you know, death happens so quickly. And I think, you know, as we try to understand things, we try to relate them to our own lives, but sadly, when you have a, a kind of a major death that's impacting you, you're related to other major deaths that have happened in your life, and it just becomes this kind of whirlwind of mourning and just remembering um, as you try to kind of navigate through those waters. So I got quiet. I got very quiet and prayerful. I'm a religious person, if you don't know that. Um, I'm a little spicy at times, but my spiciness still always gives the glory to God. <laughs> so I was very prayerful for the all the families 
impacted and just continue to watch. And while this is happening, right, I'm still conducting business. And so I'm, like, preparing to go speak. Shout out to Texas A&M, where I spoke in February. But I'm preparing to speak, and which means I have to jump on a plane. And as this is happening, I'm starting to recognize that there's a virus that is starting to sound quite ominous. That's not just in a particular region. People are looking worried. When people start looking worried, I'm like, okay, they know more than I know, so that means this is a problem. So this virus is happening, and I remember thinking, oh, I should probably have, like, a mask. (laughs) And then I remember thinking, well, people look at me weird, like I have something wrong with me. Because, you know, I'll be honest, before uh, COVID-19, when I saw someone with a mask, I assumed that they were sick. And I thought, are people going to be, like, nervous to be around me if they see me with a mask on? And I'll be honest, I, you know, so I made a half-hearted attempt when I had to fly in early February to get a mask. I actually couldn't find any in the area. So I thought, okay, no big deal. This is actually what I thought. Get on the plane, fly, get on another plane, fly and come back kind of thing. And then a couple of weeks later, I'm going to fly again, this time to New York. I'm like literally batting a thousand here, right? This time around though, I'll tell you honestly, I'm getting my nails done. And <laughs> I asked the nail technician, does she have a mask? Because, you know, they wear masks. And so she actually gave me one, but she like secretly gave it to me, like, don't tell people I'm giving it to you. So they must have had like a talking to. I get this mask and I'm like, okay, great. I only have one, okay? It's a disposable, so okay, great. So I do fly with it. I saw, like, one other person um, with a mask on on the plane. And I remember me and this lady looked at at each other like we were the two smartest people on the plane. It was so funny. Like, you know, you can't see people's facial expressions when they have masks on, but I just know she was smiling like I was smiling, like, girl, mm -mm, not today, Satan. (laughs) We are not going to catch this thing. And so... Flew to New York and, you know, spent a weekend there and, you know, went a lot of different places, was on a lot of different people. No, I did not have a mask on while I was all through all of that, just only on the plane. Did not have a mask flying back. I get back and, like, literally 10 days later, hell didn't break loose, I, you know, but it seemed like maybe a couple of people from hell, you know, broke loose. All of a sudden, sports start shutting down. You know, Major League Baseball, NBA, and you're like, what in the heck is happening? All sports shut down. Companies started shutting down. They recognized that if we shut down, that perhaps we'll have a better shot at actually containing this thing. And our our new favorite phrase of the time in March was flatten the curve. We were all watching New York go through just horrific numbers and people getting sick and death and it's just like wow is is this really happening like we're just we're just home like there's no restaurants now mind you I love to cook so us being at home eating at home that's all to the good um in the same token my my daughter who is I feel like she's so futuristic she hasn't taken strength finder yet but hopefully she will and I think she'll be futuristic she decides let's all go vegan okay (laughs) <laughs> and we've done it in short stints, but not like this is it for real, for real. And, and we've done vegetarian, not vegan, when we've done our short stints. So she said, you know, 
But she explains all the reasons that she was interested in doing it. And mostly it was to uh, protect the animals. Um, and, you know, health reasons were secondary, but it was really about eating plant-based, getting the food that was designed for us and not eating innocent animals, especially knowing how they were treated um, in order to grow them and kill them for the meat eaters. So we do that, okay? So all this is happening. And we're watching a lot of television like everybody else, and we watch all this television, and suddenly the uh, Ahmaud Arbery case is, you know, constantly replaying because outside of the pandemic, that was kind of the major news. And that was the case out of Georgia where the man was jogging in the neighborhood. He was cornered and shot um, in the back and killed. So we're watching that and people are wanting justice for that. It's a weird time because you're supposed to be kind of isolating yourself and staying with your family, but people kind of want to do something. And then the explosion happened with George Floyd and literally like a a repeat, a repeat and a replay of knee to the neck of a person that's in cuffs can't be really resisting to any level whatsoever for the number of minutes, eight, almost nine minutes. And he died and people got a chance to see that video over and over. So number one, social media gives us a chance to see things at an unnatural pace and rate. Okay. Depending on what the algorithm is, depending on who you follow, if all of your friends post a video, I don't care what it is, then you're going to see that particular video more than any other content because that's how your algorithm works for any of the social media, Facebook, um, YouTube, whatever it is. So we got to see this horrific video and the the, uh, reporting that was done uh, about it just an unusually high number of times. Outrage happened. People were, oh, by the way, lots of people were losing jobs and have record unemployment. So people are at home with no jobs. They got, you know, most people got a check. Many people, not most. Many people got your COVID check, you know, and it's only 1200 which is kind of, um, don't mean to sound ungrateful, but if you lost your job, the 1200 didn't really amount to much. Um, a lot of unemployment systems with the states all around the country were overwhelmed, so the payment for unemployment was delayed. So people were unemployed, not getting checks, not getting their unemployment checks, and maybe getting their $1,200 COVID payment. People were kind of put in a position, okay, where they realized that they were not protected. And then to watch the George Floyd killing, um, it just became too much. And I think people who had never considered the idea that the mistreatment of people of color could be anybody. I think it started like creeping in like, wow, this is really how we operate as a country. This is really happening. And then obviously with the reporting that's that's happening, they're drawing parallels to other incidents of police brutality and police killings. So people are now again at an unnatural rate seeing content that is opening their eyes. Well, if I think I've been hoodwinked and bamboozled, I'm showing up at a protest too. That's just kind of what happens. So I was struck and 
weirdly excited that I saw such a diverse crowd in support of improved police uh, interactions, improved police tactics and techniques, as well as in support of there being consequences when laws are broken. You know, we've got uh, people questioning what is law enforcement doing and who are they doing it to and why are they doing it differently, depending on your skin color. These are excellent questions, excellent questions that all deserve answers. So, you know, when you keep trying nicely and keep asking nicely and nothing happens, protests happen, okay? Um, Burning down and destruction, it happens. And, you know, I don't like to see any level of violence. I don't care who's the perpetrator. I don't like to see buildings burning. I don't like to see looting. I don't like to see any of those things. But you know what is much more uncomfortable to see? People dying. People dying um, facing police brutality. That's the most uncomfortable. A building burning, hmm, they probably have insurance. Not trying to make light of it, but it is what it is. But we cannot bring George Floyd back. We cannot bring any of the people back that didn't have to die. Uh, Tamir Rice, 12 years old, literally a 12-year-old doing 12-year-old things. Sometimes they play cops and robbers. Sometimes they act like they have a gun because, you know what, our content on television is kind of violent. Let's just be honest. So he's out there with a toy gun. The police call. If you've ever seen the video, you you only want to see it once. And uh, they literally roll up on him. If I didn't know better, if that wasn't a police car, it looked like a drive-by to me. Like literally rolled up, bam, shot him, gone. 12 years old. 12 years old. And so it's those kinds of things that get burned into your brain. And you know, at some point, you just kind of say enough is enough. So, you know, everybody's outraged. And I think it's fantastic that we have all these new conversations with new people. Right, new people wanting to enter in, and Black Lives Matter, and uh, new uh, confrontations, and testing out you know, like a litmus test: what is Black Lives Matter? And I'll say this now, and I've said it plenty of times, and I'll continue to say it: Black Lives Matter is not Black Lives Matter more. Okay, <laughs> um, we are coming from a place where we feel that we are a step down from all lives matter based on the actions we see in our communities, based on the policies that happen, based on the interactions between law enforcement or or officials or, or sometimes in our education system or in our workplace. And so Black Lives Matter is asking the communities to step up and elevate us to all lives matter. That's it. Because I, I guarantee you, people who believe, who really believe in Black Lives Matter, they, they, they don't have this only or more, this like silent afterwards. And I don't know where the fear is in that. And I don't know why that has come up, um, only to say that if you hear Black Lives Matter and if you hear only or more silently, if that's the way that you, you hear it, then that should tell you there's an issue that we need to resolve. Um, and I think we need to resolve it together. I don't want, if you misunderstand Black Lives Matter, I don't want you to go off on your own and have your own conversation to figure it out. Let's come together. Let's come together and talk about it so that everyone understands. Uh, I was fortunate to be on a uh, 
on a come together Zoom, let's figure this out kind of call. Um, it's, it's now a weekly call with, that Texas A&M is hosting called Aggie Conversations. It's particularly for Texas A&M connected folks, whether you are a current student, a former student, a staff member, um, even a professor. So that's kind of what it's about. It's about just kind of talking. Um, it's about us bridging the gap of communication um, and brother and sisterhood. That's that's really what it is. It's called Aggie Conversation. So shout out to the Association of Former Students and Ken Robinson in particular, uh, class of 93, for spearheading the effort. So I'm on this call. And I make the statement that, um, you know, we've, we've got to stop asking to be hated less, and we need to be requiring of each other, all people, all colors, everywhere, to love more, okay? And that sounds so, like, altruistic, right? Oh, just, let's just love more. <laughs> and, you know, people think that it's like some soft commentary, but I said, you know, really, if we ask you to stop using the N-word, right, and you stop saying it, does it mean you stop thinking it? Because I think it just means you stop saying it out loud or you stop saying it in front of me. But it doesn't mean that you stop looking at me and want to use the N-word, refer to me refer to me as the N-word. It doesn't mean when you go home, when you're in a different circle, that you don't use those words. So if I just say don't use the N-word, I'm just simply asking you to hate me less, which doesn't take away the hate. It just moves it around into different places, okay? Um, that's what I think we've been um, airing on um, all these years, is that we have been asking for incremental changes that on the surface look better, but have not really addressed racism, have not addressed hate toward others. That hate hasn't gone away. And if you hate people, then when you have children, you raise them in the way that you are And so to no fault of your own If you're pretty satisfied with how you think and feel Then usually people raise their children in that way Their children see things, they ask You explain it through your own lens It's just the way that it is So I'm tired of asking people to hate others less. I'm kind of tired of it. I really do believe that this is kind of this binary, either get it or you don't. And that is, you know, you can't, you can't love a person and then kind of hate them too. That just doesn't, that doesn't work, which makes me recognize that if you, if we, not you, this is all of us, right? If we love each other more, if we take the time to understand people's hopes and dreams, what they want to accomplish out of life, if we take it from an I to a we, a community, if we become a community, then I cannot hate you because I guarantee you every parent wants the best for their child. They want them to be successful. And we each have an opportunity to contribute to each other's success. But we cannot get there when we are simply asking less than a minimum, which is just hate, just hate each other less come up with policies that will ban a chokehold. A chokehold, that's all you want to do? Just ban a chokehold? What about just, you know, actually unnecessary violence towards people? 
How about racial profile? Like, there's so many other things. I get the Band-Aid fix of banning chokeholds, but there is so much more that needs to be rooted out of law enforcement. Law enforcement is not just police. There's so much more that has to be rooted out and so much more that has to be injected in, okay? So all the people on the streets that were protesting, number one, thank you. I appreciate that. But number two, your next step, because that's a first step, your next step is to determine what you can do beyond a street protest. Maybe you go to law school and you become a part of law enforcement. Maybe you become a lawmaker. Maybe, and by the way, you don't have to be um, in politics to influence laws being made. There are lobbyists. There are all kinds of roles that factor in to laws and how we support them, how we look at them. Um, if we are not in all of those areas, so if love, like I consider myself a person who wants to inject love. So if I am not in all those areas, a person like me, then it leaves the door wide open for hate to be the guiding star for policies, practices, and principles. Okay. So I see the gap. I see the hole. Uh, we are missing a lot of people in important, critical areas. They're missing a lot of people that love, that have love for the community, have love for each other, that want to contribute to each other's successes. We're missing that. That's where we start to make a difference. And so, by the way, you know, I'm like all off schedule and off kilter, but you've been listening to the Jennifer Tebow radio channel. I'm coming back for a special broadcast to talk all things 2020, really the first half, right? (laughs) What will the second half um, have? But at any rate, I only want to talk for 30 minutes. I don't want to keep you because I know we're all busy trying to uh, puzzle our lives back together or create new puzzle pieces and new fits for what we're doing. Some people are losing their jobs and desperately trying to find new ones so they can maintain the lives that they had. And I get that. I get that 100%. Um, but it's, you know, it's time for us to look toward each other because I think that's how we get out of Uh, what we are calling one of the craziest times of all of our lives. Uh, We can make smart decisions for ourselves, our families, each other. Now, I'm not going to say this um, in any um, flowery words. Wear a mask. Wear a doggone mask. I do not understand what is the issue with wearing a mask. Even I, like literally, I was filming a face full of film makeup, which is different from regular makeup. And I had to run to the store, like, in between what I was doing because, you know, I'm constantly juggling. And I had to put a mask on and, you know, get makeup on my mask. Oh, boo-hoo, poor poor baby. I would rather have makeup on my mask and protect myself, protect the others around me, and be respectful of them than be so doggone selfish to say, well, it's my right not to wear a mask. No, mm See, it's that I way of thinking that got us into this point. That's that's the reality. It's the I way of thinking that got us into this point. And it will only be a we way of thinking that will get us out of this. So at any rate, guys, I cannot tell you enough to um, be purposeful about what you're doing, who you're doing it with. Wear a mask, wear a mask, wear a mask. I literally sewed our first wave of masks to make sure that we had them. Um, 
if anybody wants the uh, design, just shoot me a message. You can always find me at Jen Tebow on Twitter as well as Instagram and kind of everywhere. You can go to Tebow.org, which is where our site is, where we host our shows. Blog Talk Radio is a great place, too. Guys, I love to talk. And I'm ready for us to talk, for there to be a we. Um, My period of silence is over. We're going to bring a lot of our shows back and talk sports. The sports is trying to reopen, so there's lots of content and things to talk about. And it's time to get back to the week. So if you have any questions, chat with us on comments. Get to know us. If you've never met us before, this is what we do, and this is how we do it. Um, I can't thank you enough. I just know that we will get to a much better place in life if we can continue to be who we claim that we are. We. Emphasis on we. You guys take care. Have a great week. I will be on this again soon. Take care. You've been listening to the Jennifer Tebow Radio Channel, brought to you by the Tebow Company. Stay connected to us through Tebow.org and Apple Podcasts. This is the Sports Gumbo you don't want to miss.